welcome to Cracking One Open. I'm Mike. And I'm Elise. And on this episode, we're drinking, I think, a Brooklyn? Yes. All right. I got it right. <laughs> you peaked. I did peak. I peaked at both of them, and I don't remember what the other one is already. Good, I, because the other one is more it. of a surprise. Ooh. Not that I don't love Brooklyn, but Brooklyn is like always a solid choice. So like I was very confident in choosing this one for the episode. Whereas the other one is a little bit more experimental. I'd rather that be a surprise for you. Ooh, okay. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. So what beer from Brooklyn are we drinking? Well, this week we are cracking open Pulp Art, a hazy double IPA from Brooklyn Brewery, which is located in Brooklyn, New York. <gasps> Shocker. What? <laughs> Not Brooklyn, Nevada or one of the weird Brooklyns that keep calling the me weird my cell Brooklyns, phones? Yeah. Scam calls? Right. Columbia, Connecticut, Portland, Connecticut. Fuck off. <laughs> anyway, so brewing in general in Brooklyn goes back to at least 1884. Brooklyn was a hub of industry, shipbuilding, farming, and immigration. And at the same time, brewers from Germany and Austria are playing a huge role in shaping Brooklyn's brewing scene, at one point producing more than 10% of all the beer in America. Please, Germans and Austrians don't know anything about beer. Fast forward 100 years to 1984, when Garrett Oliver is developing his home brews in New York City. He's been heavily influenced by the beers served up in London pubs in the 1980s, and he's on a mission to figure out and recreate those nuanced flavors. Also around this time, Steve Hindy is an AP foreign correspondent. That's Associated Press, y'all. <laughs> and mm. he discovered homebrewing while in the Middle East, but now he's moving back to Brooklyn. Fast forward again to 1988 when Steve Hindy and Tom Potter deliver their first batch of Brooklyn lager to Teddy's in Williamsburg. At this time, they already had their signature logo designed by Milton Glazer, who was an early believer in Steve and Tom's mission to bring brewing back to Brooklyn. That's a tongue twister. Bring Holy brewing crap. back to. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Bring, bring brewing back to bring brewing back to Brooklyn. Yeah. You got to You got to make sure you don't accidentally say bling. Yep. It, it seems like you shouldn't keep going. Burr, 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 bling bluing. Bring, <laughs> black brewing to back, Brooklyn. bring brewing back to Brooklyn. <laughs> so just as a side note, Milton Glazer is kind of a legend. You may know his work from the I Love New York logo. <laughs> that was him. And the logo for DC Comics. I, I do love me my DC Comics. Mm -hmm. uh, he also has his own font. He founded New York Magazine. And he was involved in tons of other projects that you would recognize like as soon as he saw it. Who knew an I and a followed by a heart emoji and NY would become like iconic, such a huge seller. So in 1989, Brooklyn says, quote, an enterprising beer fan started airshipping Brooklyn Lager to Tokyo, marking our first international beer sale. Hmm. Today, Brooklyn is actually available in more than 30 countries across five continents. I'm sure everybody knows what Brooklyn is, so I'm sure it sells really well when people go, oh, New York City. Yeah, yeah. And then they want to buy it no matter what country they're in because they're intrigued. Yep. We're very spoiled by being so close to New York City. Like, oh, it's I've just never not, not a big thing I've for us. I've never uh, forgotten that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, by 1996, Brooklyn was ready to have their official ribbon cutting ceremony for their Williamsburg facility and tasting room designed by newly designated brewmaster Garrett Oliver. 
Oliver went on to win the Semper Ardens Award for Brewing Excellence in 2003. And then in 2014, he became the first brewer to win the James Beard Award for Outstanding Spirits, Wine, or Beer Professional. Ooh. Since Oliver won, he has been joined by other respected brewers like Sam Calagione, Calagone, Calagione of Dogfish Head. Butchering that poor Italian's name. Uh, and then Rob Todd, thank God. <laughs> for Good old Todd. <laughs> of Allagash Brewing. And in 2018, Brooklyn Brewery won the gold medal at the World Beer Cup and, and opened a newly renovated tasting room in Williamsburg. So now that we've got that covered, on to the beer. So Pulp Art Hazy IIPA is a, quote, powerful spin on our crowd favorite Pulp Art Hazy IPA's tropical notes and soft finish. Wait, what? So they also have this a- This is an offshoot? This is an offshoot. Their okay. original um, was the Pulp Art Hazy IPA. This is a double IPA. Oh, okay. I didn't- I hear that right. I heard you say it's a spinoff of basically the exact same beer. Okay. Oh, no. Okay. So I will say, though, that Pulp Art Hazy IPA has a different hop. And while I was in the liquor store, I was looking that one up and I got excited because of the hop that that one contained. But I'm also excited for the one that's in the double IPA. Okay. But we'll get to it. We'll get okay. to it. Interesting that it has different hops. But we'll, yes. Yeah, we'll get to that. Continue your explanation. Um, so it's a super saturated version of our modern masterpiece, they say. Strikingly familiar, but unlike anything you've seen before. It's a hazy double IPA for the people. Like I said, um, it, the package store where I picked this up did not have the regular IPA. Um, so I actually looked up the wrong one. <laughs> okay. Um, and... The well, first off, I should also say that I'm kind of sad that I didn't realize there were two versions because I would have picked up both to have like a vertical. I was going to say it would have been nice to have a, a back comparison. I don't think we ever had the other one. No, either. I don't think so either. So Pulp Art is available year round and it clocks in an 8% ABV. Brooklyn says that we can expect vivid notes of fresh pineapple and passion fruit from Citra, Sultana and Sabro hops. Sultana? Yeah. All right. Have we ever done Sultana? No, but technically yes once. And I'll get to it. All right. Um, so I, like I said, I am very excited because this one contains Sabro hops. And that's one of my favorites. I do know that, yep. But the regular IPA contains Strata hops. Oh, which I, yeah, that's why I was excited <laughs> because I know you love them and they're also very hard to come by. They're very expensive hops. Yeah. I'm sure they're easy to come by if you have- For the, money. If you have enough- uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so citra hops have an ideal mix of high alpha acids and low cohumulone, which makes it good for bittering, but it's also excellent as an aroma or flavor addition at any stage from pre to post boil. This is in large part due to their high myrcene content, which is one of the major hop oils, and it's heavily associated with citrus, but can also be found in mango, lemongrass, verbena, and grapefruit. Citra can also lend delicate and desired aromatics, including gooseberry, lychee, mango, melon, grapefruit, orange rind, and passion fruit. And then we've got Sultana hops, formerly known as Denali. 
which we have covered once on this podcast before. This hop is a cross between Nugget, Zeus, and a USDA 19058 male. Mm, Sexy name. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was released as Denali in 2016 and then renamed in 2019 for reasons. Nice. (laughs) I couldn't really find out why, so I doubt it was the same kind of like lead legal dispute that it was with the CTZ's hops that we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. These guys are big. Like they've got huge cones. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are big. They got huge cones. Yeah. If you know what I mean? Huge hop cones called Nuggetzilla by <laughs> some. This hop is rich in pineapple, citrus, and pine flavors, but can also come off as spicy as well. <laughs> Get you your laughs some, out. You got some big old spicy cones there. <laughs> Sonata hops. Sultana. Sultana hops, whatever. <laughs> uh, they can be used for bittering flavor or aroma. And uh, is sure to make an impact in your next IPA. Oh, they'll make an impact, all right. <laughs> It's also very commonly used alongside Citra. (laughs) All right. And then finally, like I said, one of my favorites, Sabro, also known as HBC 438. Sabro was developed by the Hops Breeding Company and released in 2018. Sabro is very unique hop that imparts a strong and complex fruit flavor, including distinct tangerine, coconut, tropical and stone fruit flavors. There's also a pronounced cream character and secondary flavors of vanilla, cedar, and mint. Sabro can be used in wheat ales, golden ales, American-style lagers, pale ales, India pale ales, India pale lagers, session IPAs, New England IPAs, and imperial IPAs. So why the fuck don't we see them more? Anyway. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know, uh, they're what? expensive. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, and you know, one of my favorite things about Brooklyn is the food pairings. So they recommend trying pulp art with a tangy feta cheese or tacos El Pastor. I don't want to be uncivilized, but mm-hmm. what the hell's El Pastor mean? I Good question. I had to look it up. And it, essentially, El Pastor is a means of preparation of pork. That's like it's uh, pasteurized pork. No, it it's it's a, just a different marinade and way of cooking it. Okay, I mean I like tacos, so yeah, tacos with pork. You could have said pork tacos, but they said tacos el pastor. They're trying to be fancier than they are. <laughs> All right, you ready for this? I have a dog sleeping on my feet right yeah. now. I, she's a really she's adorable really little puppy. I don't. I think that's the end of this podcast, you guys. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. We can't just move. kidding. All right. <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to see if I didn't start the tasting, mm-hmm. if you would start the tasting. <laughs> <laughs> this is the part where I stop. Okay. I gave you the facts, Mike. Now continue. <laughs> All right. You ready to crack it open? Yeah. I. I'm getting 
Dank pineapple off the top. I got from, almost from the can. Oh yeah, I had to shove my nose in there. <laughs> if you had to shove your nose in the can, you got none. <laughs> Except for maybe a scraped up nose. This is a very nice, mostly opaque, orangey, golden color. It is the least hazy, hazy I think I've ever seen. Yeah, that's also true, which is fine with me because that means we probably won't get too much sediment. No I don't, sediment. I don't recall having any beer with sediment from Brooklyn, to be honest. That you can recall. Exactly. Well, that's why I said recall <laughs> but also a lot of the brooklyn we drink is from draft true but yeah this is you can the bottom of the the glass you can actually see pretty much through it i mean it's hazy as you go up more but yeah off the nose i'm guess i'm getting some dang pineapple but it's really light mm-hmm. but yeah but yeah that's really all i get like aroma wise also got a nice foam kind of sticky head on you mine. got more of a head than i did yeah it's really staying there, though. Yeah. All right. Anyway, cheers. cheers. Interesting. I can really taste the Sabro hops. Yeah. The danky this is, this vanilla This is like pretty complex, and I'm really there. digging it. It's very complex. Layers of flavor. It's all tied together by that pineapple. Mm -hmm. But I'm getting that creamy. No, the creaminess from the sabro. But yeah, the vanilla getting the mintiness from the uh, also sabro sabro. (laughs) But I'm getting the pineapple. Mm hmm. Not getting a lot of citra hop, though. No. Not especially. How are you going to get past all those big cones from the Sonata hops? Sultana. I called them Sonata just to piss you off. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the Sultana hops are really like, they're there. I definitely taste them. Mm -hmm. I feel like maybe the Sultana and the and the Citra work so hand in hand that they're like indistinguishable from each other. I mean, they're toning down the Sabra hop. Mm -hmm. Because if it was pure Sabra hop, I don't know if I'd like it as much. I've had Sabra hop before and I like it, but in a hazy where it's like super strong. Mm-hmm. Without like any kind of with no one to contain it, I don't know if I'd like it as much. Yeah, this is it's like a very delicate balance because it's like the creamy notes and the stuff like that is like I don't I don't I don't know I don't know. And it also doesn't taste like it's a double IPI, which I feel like we've been saying a lot more lately compared to like last year, which is good. I'm fine with that. Yes, no, I'm I'm perfectly that's fine with learning that. how to make a double IPA and not. Using knock you over with like artificial sweet. sweetness yeah or or even if it's natural sweetness just hey here's a whole bunch of you know nectar or mango or whatever mm-hmm. they use to cover it up yeah it's like, i think a lot of people are getting better at making double ipas smoother and less alcoholy mm-hmm. without resorting to using 
you know, complex sugars to just kind of like block it or cover it up. Yeah. It's like anybody can do that with any cocktail. That's like a bartending easy way out. That's why so many restaurants and stuff, when they make drinks for you for restaurants, is just make it sickeningly sweet. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's four ounces of this, but then we pour eight ounces of blue curacao in it, top it up with ice and some seltzer water and call <laughs> it a, an awesome new tropical drink we just yeah. made up. Yeah. It's like, it's still a shit drink. That's not a complex, interesting beverage. It's just sugar water covering up some booze. And that's what a lot of old double IPAs were. Yeah. But I feel like using a complex set of hops, you can achieve the same thing without making it overly sweet. Now, that's not to be said. We don't know what else is in here. They could absolutely be using extra malt or something I to was increase the sugar content. Just going to say, like, the only like aftertaste that I'm getting is like wheat. There's a malt. I think you get that with every double IPA, though, right? Yeah. It's like a maltiness, an extra weediness. Maybe. But what I want to know is when you're making a double IPA, clearly it's not the hops that make it a double IPA. To raise the alcohol content, do you use more yeast? Is more yeast eating up the sugars Mm -hmm. and making the alcohol? Or use the same amount of yeast, but add more malt for them to kind of turn? I don't know. It is easy drinking. Yes, it's very sippable. But I'm pretty sure I can it's tell a, it's 8%. Yeah, it's, it is settling a little bit heavy. I don't think that this is necessarily a like peak summertime beer. If um, you're like chilling outside. If this was really cold. Like really cold. Okay, but here's the thing. This was really cold five minutes ago. <laughs> I know it's already kind of coming down a little bit. And it's not like it's especially hot in our apartment right now. It's kind of warm, but yeah. I feel like this is one that you have a frosty glass, although I know you're not supposed to have a frosty glass. But you kind of need it for a double IPA, I feel like, sometimes. keeps it colder, yeah. Yeah. What I like, though, is it doesn't matter if it's heavy. It doesn't matter that it's getting cold, because it's a 12-ounce can. That's true, yeah. So you're going to be done quicker. Yep. Uh, I think I said that just last episode, if not the episode before that, not everything needs to be a tall boy. Mm-hmm. I would much rather grab, if I really wanted more, get a second 16-ounce can out of a six-pack than be forced to drink a 16-ounce to probably, let's be honest, 18-ounce can out of a four-pack. Mm-hmm. If I really want another beer, I wouldn't mind 24 ounces. Like a little bit more than an actual like good British pint. Yeah. Why not just give me the 20, give me the option to have a second 16 ounce pour. 12 ounce. Give me the option to have a second uh, 12 ounce pour. Don't, don't force me to have a beer that I don't necessarily, I might not want a second of if I'm forced to have a tall boy. Yeah. Yep. Cause that, sometimes that would be crack- my complaint about double IPAs, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And even other beers too. It's like, I think the, this proliferation of these pint cans, it's like, it's great, but they're not actual pints, but they're US pints, I guess. Yeah. Let me decide what I want. Give me those 12 ounce six, six packs and stuff like that. Why does everything have to be a pathetic four pack? And then I'm done real quick. Maybe I only want one beer and the 
the 12 ounce is good enough. Or maybe I want two, which gives yourself 24 ounces. It's not much more than the, uh, the 16 ounce you just gave me. So it's true. I think more of these regular size cans is good. I don't like this proliferation of, of tall boys all the time. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's, it's necessary. It's unnecessary. Not if you're at a party, you're going to spend, you know, on good beer because of the four packs. Now you're buying. Multiple four packs to feed less, uh, yeah. less people, but spending the same Basically, amount. Now you're spending more. You probably spent $800 because the four packs are ridiculous. Yeah. You can't, you can't sit here and tell me that the six pack would be that much more in cost. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of. Against the consumer at that point, mm-hmm. probably slightly better for the brewery, but I think more worse for the consumer to have all these four pack tall boys instead of going back to the days of these 12 ounce cans where I can buy six. Hell, and some beers I could still do that, like some beers, like Little Heaven and stuff like that. You can still get the short boys, get a 12, a 12 pack. Yeah, it's like, what am I going to do with yeah. the party? Like, we're the beer people. Mm-hmm. And then we go to a party with 12 people and we bring a four pack. It's like, well, not everyone's trying a beer or let's split up this beer in eight different cups. Yeah. It's like, just let me have shorties. I, I don't. It's not a big deal. I don't get it. Yeah. So all this to say, thank you, Brooklyn, for distributing <laughs> in 12 ounce cans. Yes. <laughs> Still. It's, uh, it's refreshing. Not just your beer, but the cans as well. Yes. <laughs> And understanding that sometimes you don't want a huge honking double IPA, but if I want mm-hmm. another one, I can have it and I have four extra ounces left over compared to what a normal pint would be. So, yep, not a big deal. Even if it, as it gets warmer, it's a little sweeter. But, but it's still not like double still IPA, not, sickeningly sweet. Yeah, yeah, totally. But those Sabro hops, hops man, they're still coming through. They're so good they're interesting they're they're totally different from a lot of other hops which is nice mm-hmm. and you're done all done i'm close talk about the uh the can and i'll be done <laughs> so the can's tough to talk about because it looks like every can is slightly different but also slightly the same i think they each have part of a larger mural cut up and put on them okay but they're full Press on like heat sealed, almost like one with the can. Very professional. Can't even tell where the back and front begin because Brooklyn is that legit. <laughs> uh, or these cans are at least. It's orange in the background. And because it's pulp art, it's really pop arty. Like comic books with pointillism, you've got these green dots on top of this bright orange and these smaller blue dots. You've got this hunk of green and purple and pink. And the green is like a lime green and the blue is super blue. Like the colors really pop out of you like pop art, like pop art. It it looks like something from a comic book. Exactly. Or a cartoon or something. So it looks really, really cool. It's all abstract. All these shapes are all over the place. Uh, It's a shiny can. So it's not like a matte finish anywhere. Everything is shiny. Mm -hmm. Then the Brooklyn logo is front and center and it's very colorful, just like the can this time around. So the Brooklyn logo is, as most people probably know, uh, it's a large circle in the front of the can with Brooklyn Brewery on the top and bottom of uh, outer circle. 
On the inner circle lies a very fancy-looking cursive bee, almost pretzel-like in nature. Very, very fancy. Mm-hmm. And that is white. Um, but the inside of that circle is that bright orange, and the outside of the circle is that bright lime green. Can says, Pulp Art Hazy Double IPA, 12 ounce, 8% alcohol by volume. And that's all kind of squished together in a very, like, no-nonsense kind of way, like, poof, poof. And on the other side of the can, you get the Brooklyn Brewery logo a little smaller, the Pulp Art Hazy Double IPA logo a little smaller. And then it says in regular like aerial font, all caps says Pulp Art Hazy Double IPA is a powerful spin on the original Pulp Art's tropical notes and soft finish. It's a Hazy Double IPA for the people. For the people. For the people. For the people. Uh, Wasn't that the name of one of the Kent Falls? For the no, people, pa- power to the people, power to the people yep. was the one that we covered. That was like our like sixth or seventh episode. R- yes. Because you got it, I got it when, from we, the when we yeah. went to Joanne's. Yeah. So then it's got a little chart tasting notes, pineapple, hazy, powerful. So it's kind of copying or not copying. Maybe Tribus is copying them since Brooklyn was first, but doing the two real notes and the final note kind of being like a, a and uh, just a random a adjective. Kind of adjective, yeah. That's true, but I also don't recall any other Brooklyn beer, beer that we've that? had having that. So you think they went to Tribus? Or I know Tribus went to Brooklyn because they did a tour around New York City breweries. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Um, when they took their staff, so I almost wonder if they did like beer trades. I don't know. And then gave them that, and they're like, "Ah, it's a good idea." Yeah. So that's all there. It's got the, the independent craft the brewing egg. logo. <laughs> we make flavorful beer for flavorful people. Visit us at brooklynbrewery.com or meet us in our tasting room at 79 North 11th Street, Brooklyn, New York, 11249. That is a really small font and it gets blurry towards the bottom. Yes, their tasting room is on 79 North 11th. Their tasting room is at 79 North 11th Street. In Brooklyn. Wouldn't mind going there. No, not at all. I would love to go to Brooklyn Brewery. Just a train hop in a subway hop away. Train riding uh train riding. Hop, skip, and a jump. Yeah, pretty much. Words. (laughs) This is a double IPA. (laughs) I can can tell. You also had a uh a super high percentage IPA, the or not IPA, the sour ale that we did last week. Is that a high? It's like 8%, babe. I thought it was 5%. That's why I had it before the recording. <laughs> yeah, I thought no you knew. wonder I'm messing up my words. No, I didn't want, if I did that, I would have taken the nugget nectar you said. And I was like, no, it's eight. Because you warned me not to take the, ah, damn it. That's why I'm messing up my words. Anyway. And you didn't even use any raspberries in it this time. You got to make some drinks with those raspberries in the fridge. I'll make some drinks with those raspberries, but I'm damn well and ready. Best before date printed on the bottom of the can. Now, I'm going to read the bottom of the can, and we've had some problems lately reading the bottom of the can. Clean my club. Yay! What will I get as a date here? Best before July 2022. Really? Where do you get these cans from? 
I got this one from the Total Wine in West Hartford. Listen, Total Wine, this is the second Total Wine beer we've had where this can has been past your best before date. Start discounting these cans or get them off the shelf. Honestly, though. Brooklyn, I hope you're listening to this because you distribute to a, a seller that clearly does not care. A like major distributor. Your beer. And granted, this is a problem. We're they- only a few weeks away from August, but still, this is be- after your Best Buy date. Yep. So, therefore, we're having an inferior product. So, get your sales rep together, man. Get, get on this. This is total wine. Yeah. This is where most people going liquor stores are getting it from because they're such big business. Maybe pull them off the shelves. Yep. Or have a little chat. Y'all's got to get together. Everybody in that independent craft brewery association. And tell total wine. Knock that shit Check off. Check your shit. Anyway, that's my PSA. This is a great <laughs> beer. I'm already done. Yeah. Um, Creamy, not too creamy. Heavy, not too heavy. Not sickeningly sweet. Deceptively high proof, I think. Just overall, very well balanced. Mm-hmm. Pleasantly fruity. Yeah, in, in a nondescript Just way. Very enjoyable. With a little bit of that cream vanilla mint backbone. It makes it a very different IPA. Mm-hmm. Because these are hops that obviously Citra, everybody uses Citra, but the Salata. Sultana. <laughs> God damn it. Sultana <laughs> and the Sabra hops are not something you see every day in your different beers. Yes. So that's very, very interesting to get. And I'm sure the other beer that uses the Strata hops, the regular IPA version of this, mm-hmm. is also amazing because Strata it hops must are be. It must amazing. be. Like I was so excited. I was like, yes, Strata. I would love to see, like, obviously we haven't seen the Strata can, but I would love it if the green and orange on that can was inverted. Oh, so it's the same kind of pulp party can, but the mm-hmm. colors are just kind of switched where first is green, second is orange, as opposed yeah. to first orange, second green. Yep. I think that'd be a really fun can, but everything else is the same. But yeah, that's all I got. That is all she wrote for me. That's Empty Mug Club, fantastic beer. Brooklyn has never steered us wrong. Nope. In fact, I'm pretty sure they were your number one pumpkin beer during our pumpkin six pack episode. I think so. I I think so. I believe so. I can say that with some confidence. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm also getting very excited for whatever we may come up with this year for our fall pumpkin six pack. It's going to involve our winners and then all new ones. Mm -hmm. Because there's no shortage of pumpkin beers. There really is not. (laughs) But yeah, that's what I got. So thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, please rate it, review it, share it with your friends, and subscribe to catch our future episodes. You can find us on crackinoneopen.com or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at crackinoneopen, or shoot us an email at crackinoneopen at gmail.com with any comments, questions, or suggestions, because we always want to hear from you. Aww. Yeah, we do. Yeah. What else you got to plug? I got my other podcast, Forgotten Cinema, a podcast I do with my buddy Mike Field, where we talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about it, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it 
Uh, you never know. You might find your own Forgotten Gem. That's available on ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com because we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. So while you're there, check out all the other great podcasts and video content we have for you there. Uh, and audiobooks. Are you guys buying them? You're not. Because I can see the sales. Boost those sales. It's like my only job. I'm an audiobook narrator. I mean, amongst other things I'm trying to get going, but I no longer have my day job. So I really need you guys to buy like multiple copies of the same book if possible. I'm just kidding. You don't have to do that. But check out my books. <laughs> They're on Audible, uh, which is Amazon's uh, audiobook service. Switch Our Front and Gangsters, Vacation Planet, Sour, Coffee at Midnight, Progressive Entrapment, The Murder of Kelly Christopher, The Final Girl. I've got another one upcoming called Drowning in Oceans of Black, uh, and and probably a whole bunch of others because I'm gonna I'm gonna go crazy with the audiobooks. So just go check them out. Uh, yeah, just check out my name and then listen for the sample. If it sounds like me, it's me. That's what I got. All right. Well, then a special thanks for our theme, which was composed and performed by Joe Reichert. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers. Good clink. Good clink. <laughs>